and welcome to TCWK, or Things Christians Want to Know, or The Paul and Nate Show, mm. or whatever you want to call us. And um, I'm Paul. Who that's are you? Paul. I'm Nate. Hi, Nate. Hey. Blue shirt. Blue shirt. Pink microphone sleeve. I've got a purple microphone sleeve myself. It's very colorful. It's summer, so there's colors everywhere. It's nice. Yes, it's beautiful out tonight. Flowers are abundant. Wish we could do this outside. Yes. That's, it's not conducive to recording. <laughs> <laughs> Levi, what do you think? He's feverishly <laughs> shaking his head. The producer says, no, we are not allowed to be outside. Uh, maybe someday. I'm eager for tonight. I'm eager to tell some stories. So Good. Hurry up and do your intro. Okay, well, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, we're going to be talking about parenting. And obviously, this is one of the most important topics that can exist because everyone needs to be parented at some point because mm -hmm. everyone is a child. Most of us become parents at some point, certainly many. And so parenting, parenting well, parenting godly, Parenting as well as we can is a really important thing. Uh, for some reason, in my experience, people are reticent to take parenting advice. I'm not 100% sure why it is. Um, when you look at Gallup polls and blind surveys and Pew studies, it shows that parenting and marriage issues are like number one and two for things people feel like they need to understand better, the things they want to learn about. The parenting is something Christians want to know, which is why we're talking about it tonight. So they, they say, yes, I want to learn about parenting. But then when talking to other people about it, they don't really want other people to tell them how to parent, and they don't want to take your advice. And I, I, my theory, and I shared this with you earlier, my theory is that all of us parents, and I'm a parent, I have three kids, Paul, you have... A thousand? Yes. Yes. Roughly 1,000 children. No, six kids and mm -hmm. Four, 14. 14 grandchildren. Probably Not, going on 20. Yes. They, they are very nearly considered a village in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> um, so we have a little bit of experience between us. Um, I have a theory that all of us, no matter how much experience we have, are actually very insecure about being parents mm -hmm. because we realize that we don't know what we're doing and we know the consequences. The stakes are high and we know that intuitively. We think about the mistakes we made or that were made maybe with us by our own parents. We think about the mistakes that we know we've already made with our kids. And I think parents are scared and I think parents are insecure. And I think that insecurity then kind of comes out as defensiveness maybe a little bit of pride in there so Just, how are we going to do this with all these so that's well that's the question and we, we've discussed this listeners it, it, this is a huge felt need people want to know christians want to know about parenting and yet many christians find it very difficult to actually take parenting advice and so actually i i think paul that podcasting like this is a better format for this than mm -hmm. a sermon on sunday Okay. I do think we should preach on parenting at Lydia House, which is our church. Um, but I think podcasting is almost a better forum because people can listen to it anonymously. No one's accusing anyone of anything. Mm -hmm. No one's saying, hey, you should do this when you parent and looking at someone. Um, and so maybe, listeners, this is a chance for you to humble yourself. I know I've had to do this as a parent, especially early on, because I had all these ideas about the right way to parent, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it turns out so does everyone else. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those ideas are in conflict. And sometimes you realize your ideas and your kid don't match up the way you thought they would. Mm -hmm. Or kid number two comes around and he's totally different. Yes. Than kid number one and you have to start from scratch. Oh, no. That's what happened to me. And so there's, there's so many issues here. And my hope is that our listeners can come into this with as much humility as possible and say, hey, let's look at these issues and come up with some ways that we can improve. Because let's be honest, all of us parents can improve at being parents. Mm -hmm. We can all do a better job than we've done before. By saying that we can improve, it's not saying that what we've done in the past is horrible or terrible or we've ruined our kids' lives or any of those kind of things. Um, let's try to stay away from that kind of stuff. Um, Stay away from that sort of guilt or defensiveness that comes up when someone says, this is the way we should do stuff. Um, and instead, let's look at, hey, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all got to be better parents than we are now and taught our kids how to be good parents so that then our grandchildren were parented even better yes, and their children even better. I tell my kids, do better than I did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our hope for these next few weeks of podcasts as we um, discuss the very large topic of parenting. So Paul, where, where do you want to start out? I've got some good stories that good. I think might be teaching elements for people. I agree. Stories are, stories are easier sometimes than teaching, especially on a topic that people find difficult to listen to like this. Um, I did everyone some, can listen to stories. <laughs> yes. I did some talking to my kids uh, in the last couple of months, and I've asked them questions straight on, like, what did we do right? What did you like? What helped you? And, and just I, to clarify, all your kids are adults? Yes. And five of the six are married, and mm -hmm. so we're talking about living out of the house, you know, older kids. Yes, that's right. So I was... Uh, delighted to find that my two married daughters, Erica and Karis, they, like me, their uh, love language is acts of service. Mm. So Kara said, I love it when I see Costa outside mowing the lawn. <laughs> well, sure. That sounds like me because mm -hmm. I love acts of service and I try to do acts of service and uh, so I taught our kids I did some things right I think one thing that we did right is we had work parties Saturday work parties they started by us singing onward Christian soldiers with the radio and going in the kitchen and getting pots and pans and uh, making lots of noise and marching through the house <laughs> vigorously singing onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. And then we'd end with a clang, 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 clang. And then work party would begin. And we tried to make it as fun as we could, but we would go outside and we'd pull weeds and we'd dig and we'd plant trees and we'd mow the yard. And they... They liked it. They looked forward to work party. They like working now. Israel told me just recently, he's our number five child. He said, I love doing work projects rather than bringing someone in to do them for me. Mm. So he's, he's good at uh, craftsmanship 
and I I love hearing that. So, how how old were they when you started doing that? Oh, the youngest could uh, could barely walk. Uh, so so we we did it as they came along. Okay. We had we had work parties pretty much right on through. So the older ones were actually helpful, and the younger ones kind of just played played in the dirt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or, in one case, Erica at age. Six, I believe I planted a whole row of flowers and she was behind me and I turned around to see how she was doing she had pulled all of them up and I <laughs> went Erica why did you do that and she said I wanted to see if they were growing <laughs> Whoa! So we did some more planting, and uh, you didn't yell at her. That's pretty. Impressive. I I I held it. I held it in. Proud of myself. So how did you motivate them? I like the story. How did you motivate them to do the work? Because I can get my kids to work. We we they they have chores. They have chores that they share that every day they know that they're responsible for. They have areas of the house that they're responsible to clean up and responsible for taking care of. Uh, like taking care of the cat and that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to other stuff, it's sometimes difficult to motivate them to do it other than, hey, we're a part of a family. We all work together. And don't you like our yard? Don't you like our house and all this stuff? Well, it takes work to keep care to take care of things and let's go do it. Um, I haven't tried banging pots and pans and singing a song, but maybe I should. Besides like the song itself, what did you do? How did you get them... To, my, buy, to buy in. My answer is simple. I don't know. Okay. I don't That's know. That's fair enough. Did. Yeah. But they saw me as a worker. I was a worker, and I loved to work, and I talked about it. I talked, hey, we're going to go out in the backyard. We're going to plant some plants. And uh, I think little by little they caught on. And when I, I brought in other people to help us work, uh, they were part of them. It was like a song. Sure. And we had a, we had music going, and they look back on that as a fun time. I don't know if it, was all, it wasn't always a fun time sure. at the moment, but they look back on that as that's when we learned how to work. And of course, they had jobs all week long with with the big family and people living in our home. We had dishes, responsibilities, and other things that they did. So. It was just a part of the program that we grew up with. They, they vacuumed and they dusted and they washed windows and they mowed lawns. Hmm. I, I think that the fact that they followed your example is really important because kids, kids kind of naturally want to do what their parents are doing. Sometimes to our annoyance because like, well, you can't do this because there's fire involved or you can't do this because I don't want it to break. Um, like as, as a parent for me, it's hard to know when is this a moment where I can say, no, you can't do this. And when is this a moment where, all right, can I afford for this to take twice as long and let one of the kids help? <laughs> and that's the reality. That was the reality with those plants that, you know, she pulled them up. <laughs> Good lesson for her. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, but no matter what it is, the kids do want to be a part. We, we try more and more to let them. And it's interesting that we have three. 
uh, oldest is 11, youngest is five. The five-year-old is doing a whole lot more at five than either the older two did. Hmm. And part of that is because we've learned to let them do more, even if it takes twice as long, even if there are always going to be eggshells in the eggs. (laughs) It's just, you know, I... (laughs) I have learned that there's just going to be eggshells in the scrambled eggs. And it's not that horrible, really. Mm-hmm. Crunch, crunch. Ha, ha, ha. There's, a, there's an eggshell. Okay, I found one. You know, um, that's a better way to live than not letting them be involved in things. Because oh, I, want, I want them to be involved in things. I see a lot of people now, younger people. This is not going to get into a millennial bashing show. Um, but I do see young people really struggling to, as they call it, adult well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want, my goal is that by the time my kids start college, they will know how to cook, how to clean, how to take care of themselves and do basic life things that everyone needs to know. Now, I'm not going to be able to teach them how to change the oil in a car because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I can only teach them what I do know. Sure. Um, they will all know how to play an instrument. They'll all know how to lead worship. They'll all know how to pray for someone else mm-hmm. and how to lead someone through the scriptures to know more about Jesus. Um, so there are things that I have goals that I want them to learn. And so Andrew's not that into cooking, but I've told him before he goes to college, he has to know how to cook. At least enough for himself. I see that as part of our job as parents, my wife and I, to prepare our kids for the world. Mm -hmm. And so I, we try to do those kind of simple things, but it does take more work to let them help with laundry, to let them help making food. And sometimes that's, I I admit that sometimes I say no, just because I'm tired. Sure. (laughs) Um, So that it's a challenge for, for us. Let me try a, a different one that we, uh, we did to uh, involve our kids in dinner. Mm-hmm. We made dinner time a non-negotiable. And as our kids got older, they looked for reasons to self-exclude, and we did not allow them to. Mm-hmm. We said, you're here for dinner unless it was something really important that they had to stay away from. But what... I did was I had a jar on the table and a different person would pick a question from the jar and they would start the discussion. And that was a discussion on what was your favorite uh, vacation? What was your most embarrassing moment? What was the hardest time in your little life? What was the best book you've read? And, uh, they got to really like that and we hung after dinner because we were finishing our discussion so that worked because so many people are eating and running and Mm -hmm. the family isn't together ours was together at seven o'clock in the morning for devotions it was compulsory except for Karis, who could come she was when she was two three and four she would she would walk down when she would wake up and we would all fight because all of us wanted to hold her uh <laughs> i usually won but com- devotions was something that we all did and they would uh say oh this is boring from time to time but we did it anyway that's what my parents did my parents did not train me by mentoring me but they trained by example and i'm very thankful for their 
God an example. And so we did that. And it's interesting that Erica said not uh, too long ago, she said, Dad, do you know why we all love getting together, the extended family, why we all come together? is because you made us come together. Hmm. And we were forced to, and we learned to love it. And so, so that, they, they may have complained at the time, yes. which let's be honest, all kids of a certain age will complain no matter what it is you're making them do. Um, but you forced them to do it anyway. Yes. Even though they were complaining and now they look back and they see that it was valuable. Yeah. And sometimes they, they came to enjoy it. Like the discussions, mm-hmm. they loved the discussions and devotions, there were times that were really hallelujah times. But then there were other times. And I remember that with my parents. We had a lot of boring devotions, but we did them. And I came to love the Word of God because I saw that my dad loved the Word of God. Sure. Well, we just um, had all your kids over to our house um, with all their kids. Yes. And it was a it was a fun time. It was a my, my wife is... Um, Karen's niece, Paul's niece. So my wife and your kids are first cousins, is what I'm trying to say. And the cousins are close, too. Yes. Like, they're closer than most cousins are. They, that's true. And your big family welcomes in other people. There are a lot of honorary cousins <laughs> and honorary siblings. But, you know, I, I was struck when everybody was over how... They all get along really well. There, there, there were some disagreements about this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't a lot of the Minnesota passive-aggressive stuff that you often see um, among families where there's talking behind people's backs um, while you are nice to their face and things like that. And, you know, somebody showed up really late. And when they did, everybody was like, oh, you're here. You made it. And they were like genuinely happy. Absolutely. Genuinely excited. And the other person was genuinely sorry that they had missed half the fun time. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, it's that's unique in any family, uh, maybe even more so in a big family where it seems like there's usually one that gets slips through the cracks or something. But the other thing is that you are excellent hosts. You are very relaxed you, you're not trying to force things to happen. You let things happen. The food's out there. People can come and go. People can go outside, inside. People are always moving around. And you are so relaxed that I think that makes people relaxed. Hopefully. You know, the, you know where we learned that? No. From your wife. Okay. <laughs> Sarah, my wife Sarah has a gift of hospitality. And she's recognized that for most of her life. But she's also recognized it in her aunt. And so we have intentionally looked to you guys to sort of model for us what hospitality looks like. Um, And then couple that with the fact that early on in my ministry, when we did Extreme Life, the young adult church plant, Mm -hmm. that your son Andrew and I planted together when we were still in seminary, we learned the hard way eventually (laughs) during that church plant that God is actually really trustworthy. Mm. When it comes to ministry taking place, what we found is that God is really trustworthy when it comes to ministry actually happening. I used to think, you know, as a young pastor, I had to force ministry to happen. I got to 
push encounters with God. And, and I would be a little too, just too involved, too up in people's faces. And what I learned is if you put some food out and just sit there, that the Holy Spirit will eventually work and eventually get people together. And co- when, when you facilitate conversations and relationships to happen, then good things will happen. So we just let people become friends by inviting them over to our house and opening our fridge all the time. That's cool. And eventually when they became friends, then they started sharing real things with each other. And then they started praying for each other. And then real discipleship started happening. And I found that that was a very fertile soil for the word, seed of the word of God to grow. And I think the same is true in families and the That's same so is neat. true everywhere. That's so, so neat. I love it. I have kind of a laissez-faire pastoral philosophy. I've noticed, and I have a great story I'd like to share. Do we have time to share it now or should we kick it off with next time? You know, why don't, why don't we come back next week uh, with, with that next story? But why don't you listeners think about some of your own stories um, growing up as kids how did your parents model some things for you that you have learned? Maybe things that you realize, maybe things that you haven't realized. It's, we all saw things <laughs> and we, things were modeled for us whether we realize it or not. Some of those mm-hmm. things maybe were really good. Some of those things maybe were not as good. Uh, why don't we focus on the positive though? Mm. And let's come back next week and talk about more of these. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.